how do you deal with failure? Yeah. And that sounds really negative, doesn't it? Because it's like, that's a guarantee (laughs) that you're going to fail at your resolutions. And that's not what we're trying to say. Ever wish life had a... Ever wish life had an undo... Ever wish life had an undo button? With over 30 years experience in the creative industry, Matt and Dylan spill their secrets and share their insights about business and design. All to try to save you an undo. This is the Command Z Show. Presented by Made by Things and Mingus Design. Dylan, what are you working on? I'm working on new business. One of my big jobs that I've got going on is probably on hold for what could be 16 weeks. Oh, wow. So that'll put you in spin mode. Yep. So that's that's what's going on, is working on new business. Actually, I've got a, a project with a cannabis client that's in motion that I'm really excited about. So that branding project is definitely on my plate. Yeah. But yeah, otherwise, uh, working on some promotion stuff for Mingus Design. What about you? Nice. Uh, we st- we kicked off three projects in the last, well, today and uh, yesterday and today, we're kicking off about three projects. We usually do about three a month. So I was like, all right, <laughs> we're kind of starting all of them at the same time. And uh, yeah, just... Um, mostly let's see mostly some pretty pretty standard animation stuff uh one more visual effects related thing that's kind of a live action animation thing put together and uh just like you new business new business every day new business every day (laughs) we screwed up that should have been the name of our podcast (laughs) and that's really boring anyway boring but critical you're also really active on linkedin very much so um, you know, at the end of every year, I, uh, I try to figure out like where, like a lot of the, the leads come in from. Mm-hmm. And I would say between 20 and 30% of the possible projects we get sent over is from LinkedIn. And, um, I don't know. It's, I have fun with it. I think that's the most important thing is that like, I feel like there, maybe there's better ways out there, especially like going out and networking and conferences and stuff like that. But for me, I'm like, I just like to make content. So it's like, well, every morning I sit down, and it's one of the first things I do is make something, push it out. And sometimes it will get three views and sometimes it gets 160,000. Um, it's really hit or miss, but I don't know. I just, it's just fun to just create new stuff. So if anything, your name is out there. Uh, which is the, sure. like the lowest possible stakes, right? Um, exactly. There's, there's plenty of white guys out there with uh, sitting in their cars with mm-hmm. their iPhones stuffed in their faces, making really horrible videos. That's not exactly a positive name <laughs> out there kind of moment, but yeah, I digress. Um, yeah, it's cool to watch you do that. I, I think we could certainly talk about that for for a whole podcast uh, in terms of you know where we're promoting and, and what that looks like, but. I have seen some good results on LinkedIn. In fact, I think we're going to also change the name of the podcast to how uh, Dylan wants to be more like Matt. I think that's what we'll change the name of it to. Because you're great about that. Consistency. I love it. Um, I don't know. Anyway. A lot of days it does feel like I'm wasting my time, but I just Mm. kind of stick to it. I don't know. I think that's a lot of things that just... Even like working out exercise, all that stuff that just requires discipline. It's easy to give up because it feels like you're wasting time. But if you just believe in how you believed in things in the beginning, then it just kind of, 
don't know. Just keep doing it, I guess. Well, I can't think of a better segue than that to talk about <laughs> and launch into our question of the episode. Let's hear it. When you mentioned discipline and working out, we're doing this episode at the beginning of January 2022. And so the famous time of year when people start doing a lot of new things or trying to do those new things, and then they drop off that routine pretty quickly. They say by end of this month or sometime in March at the latest, most people's routines are complete failures. And then we just wallow in our shame and guilt and go back to stress eating, gaining those pounds back and all that stuff. So yep. I'm not, uh, I, I'm guilty of that too. I've been there. So anyway, what I'd love to talk about today and maybe just get to the question is how do you deal with failure? Yeah. And that sounds really negative, doesn't it? Cause it's like, that's a guarantee <laughs> no. that you're going to fail at your resolutions. And that's not what we're trying to say. I think that there are some, hopefully out of this, even this conversation, some, some advice for, uh, maybe how to move through some of those resolutions. But um, but we know just from, from statistics that it's really hard to maintain those goals sometimes. So maybe let's just start there in terms of yeah. dealing with failures. Uh, or maybe we do that on the back end of it is how do you prevent failure? I'll let For you sure. talk. Well, I guess let me start there then. So I I don't think that we can really prevent failure. I think that anytime that you take a risk in life you you're risking failure right sorry let me push my phone a little bit further away here um and um if you're not failing at things it just means that you're probably not pushing as hard as you you could and i don't know like i'm, I'm very much i don't know how do i want to say this like I'm, I'm not out there like telling everyone you gotta hustle more you gotta work Mm-hmm. 170 hours a week whatever but like, I, I wouldn't for, i wouldn't be sitting here with you if you were in that <laughs> mode it's not no not my jam um <laughs> but at the same time like i do believe in working hard right i i i believe in working hard with the time that you have and i believe in pushing hard enough to where you where i do come up short on on things i think i mean as a business owner you kind of have to accept that um, you know, I, I think it is kind of glamorized a little bit, the, the whole, like taking the leap and doing your own thing. Um, cause it's, it's definitely not for everyone. Right. Right. And I think that it comes down to that idea. Like, can you, can you really fail big at something and be okay with it? Like, can you, can you have something like that happen and can you just move on and start another goal or do something else the next day? And I think that it's, it's, it's really hard for anyone, but the more you fail at things, just the more you get used to it and it doesn't really affect you as much anymore. You know, I, I guess I think about like in art school, whenever you're getting the first real critiques of your life, you know, in high school, your parents, your teacher, they're like, oh, this is great. This is lovely. Like, nice job. But then when you get to college, it's different. If, if your teachers are doing things the right way anyway, it's, oh, like, I'm good, but I could do better at these things. And you start to hear negative things about the things, things that you're putting your time and effort into. And that can be really, really hard at first. But I don't know, you could, you could choose two different paths. You can choose the, the, 
wallow and stress eat <laughs> or you can choose okay like i want to be great at this and i think that's the other thing is like you know people like the idea again people glamorize the going off on your own thing but there's i don't know there's just so much more to it that a lot of people don't realize and so it is just it, it's taking that failure or that critique and being able to find a way to to move on again and I, I hate to bring up sports in every single one of these podcasts, but um, you're it's a sports that idea. guy. It's what you do. I I, it's just, I, I'm the I'm the balance of that. I'm not a sports <laughs> guy. I could care less. It's it's you know can you can you lose every game of the year and still come back and you know you know let's like okay, so there are 17 football games a year. You lose the first 16. What do you do in that last one? Do you go out there and do you, you know, work your tail off and try to win? Or do you just, I don't know, kind of have fun? I don't know. <laughs> or try to have fun, you know what I mean? And for me, I, I want to win. And um, I think that failure is such an important part of being able to find the happiness in winning. If that makes any sense at all yeah so let's stay on the sports thing for a second because again i am just for listeners i am not a sports guy i don't care and to be specific for a quick moment i actually love exercise and working out and being healthy but it's the pro sports side of thing that i don't care about so i'm one of those believers of you know if we actually did as many sports as we watched we'd be a really healthy nation but anyway not to (laughs) go off on that rant um but when you talk about sports and talk about physical activity it's science that resistance is what builds muscle. It's a no-brainer. If yep. you don't do the resistance, your muscles don't have anything to react to and have no chance to grow, build new cells, and make big muscles. So <laughs> the same is true in life. And it's a really simple thing, but it's really true. And so we have met people, you and I, and maybe we've been those people that when we choose to not take on that resistance, whatever that looks like. And I'm talking now beyond physical fitness and lifting weights. But when we, when we choose to not push things past a certain limit, it's a pretty safe bet that we will not grow. And we, again, we've met people that have stayed in that place of, I'm not going to change. I'm going to keep things the way they are comfort above all things. Um, I get it. I really do get it. I understand that my wife and I had this fabulously chill weekend for the last three days and I treasured it but I also realized that's not my my normal life and there are a lot of reasons why I can't be that way every day so anyway um, I just know how important it is for us to for me to face resistance and try to grow through that and to the point of failure no I think that's it right there it's gotten to a point where I maybe this is a cliche thing to say but it's gotten to the point where I love it whenever I do fail because again, it it just tells me that, Oh, okay. I'm pushing, I'm pushing very hard. And, um, it's not cliche if you're actually doing it, right? I I mean, really, if you're out there actually in that process, it's not a cliche. You're living it. It's cliche if you're just saying it like a Instagram post. I guess the other thing, though, is like, well, what do you define as a failure? Because what I think of as a failure, I guess that's the thing, that that word failure, 
I, I never in my mind, in any of my daily writings and any of my thoughts, do I think of the actual word of failure. Mm. And I was kind of talking about this last podcast, but like I see failure as giving up. Like, I don't know what you want to call a, a stumble. I don't know. Like, so hmm. to me, I'm like, as long as I don't give up, it's not really failing at something. It's, huh. it's something else. And I that's never thought just, about it that way. It's just a vocabulary thing, I think. But, <laughs> um, and but it, re- it really feels like something that you would say because you're a very optimistic <laughs> person. I don't mean that in a trite way. I mean, I, I think yeah. it really truly speaks to who you are. And but, and yet I hear you, and I've never heard it said like that, and I think it's a fascinating way to look at it, is that failure, it, by your definition, uh, only occurs when the person gives up hope. They truly quit. Yeah. And that's a dark spot. So it I is. actually love your definition because I've never seen it like that, but it makes... I, I, can, I also uh, am an optimist, I'd call yeah. myself a partial optimist. <laughs> uh, for listeners, Matt and I are about almost 20 years apart. Is that right? 18. 18 years apart. So I'm, I'm the old, jaded, cynical turd in the punch. And Matt <laughs> no is, the, is the bright, optimistic <laughs> youth, you know, riding on a rainbow of glitter farts. No, seriously. Um, <laughs> well, there's a little truth in that, I guess. But uh, so I... Am, am not the eternal optimist. And, and again, part of that is just the, having a number of years. And I think we talked about it in a previous episode. It's a, it's a slippery slope when you disguise wisdom or when you disguise cynicism as wisdom. So um, I have to be careful of that. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I guess talking about more specific moments, um, I'm gonna open the door a little bit more here, um, okay? Because it's not it's not always super positive and super happy, right? There's definitely moments that everyone's going to have that just completely tears them apart, and then yep. you don't feel like you're ever gonna be able to move on. Um, to me, I don't. know. I mean, there's probably three or four moments in the last ten years that I'm like, oh god, like this is this is awful. Like, this is just the worst feeling ever. Like, how do you move on after something like this? Yeah. Um, honestly, that, that first one was probably right after I graduated. Graduated college and at the end of 2008. So the last big recession that we had, right? And nobody was hiring. You know, at that point, you know, I dedicated my life to being able to do this stuff just so badly not wanting to have to work in a factory um, or just in a job that I hated. Right. Like I saw my family doing that. So I was like, there's no way I can do that. Like I'm going to, I'm going to work as hard as I absolutely can in college. I'm going to figure this stuff out. And you know, every dollar that I make should come from some sort of creative source. That was what I told myself. And after graduating, you know, near the end, whenever I did graduate, everyone kept telling me, teachers and everybody, they're like, oh, yeah, you're going to get a job right away. It's going to be super easy for you. I was probably, I was one of the better ones in my class, but it still worried me at the time because I'm like, it, I've never seen anyone in my life get a job in a creative field. So to me, it's impossible still. Hmm. But I started getting a little bit more of that confidence whenever people started telling me that I, everything would be fine. And then I graduated and started applying for jobs. 
got a couple interviews, but nothing's happening. So um, I, over the course of six months, I probably applied to over 200, 300 jobs maybe. Wow. Just several, at least a dozen or two interviews, and none of them were working. And to me, that was that was probably the biggest moment right there where I was like, I'm, I'm now, it's not going to happen. Like this thing that I worked for, um, I was like starting to come to terms with it. I started applying for jobs at Best Buy and Micro Center because I was yeah. like, well, at least I know computers. But like it, it hurt. It hurt so bad to just like apply for those things. Yeah, with two or three hundred in the in the, under the belt and no responses, that's a reasonable response from you. Yes. Yeah. What what am I doing here? Exactly. And honestly, and this isn't obviously something that I talk about regularly, but like there was a lot of really late nights just in tears because I was like, I just I thought I could do this, mm. and apparently I can't. All of my healthy habits just kind of went out the window. I'm staying up till three, four o'clock in the morning, just watching TV. And, um, I would say that was definitely one of my lowest moments, but it was also during that time where I'm like, you know what? I got to go out there. I got to hang out with my friends. I got to do something. And it was in that time right there where I met my wife. So it's super weird that like I met her at like the lowest of lows that I've probably had like like professionally i'll say (laughs) um but yeah after six months i got a call and uh it was the uh, u.s department of energy that was looking for a multimedia artist and uh they hired me pretty quick and uh moved away from my would-be wife <laughs> and telling her like hey remember how i was like really low before like now i'm gonna i'm gonna leave you for a while let's try to do this long distance thing for a bit um and we found a way to make it work but anyway um was that what took you out west no that that's what took that took me to pittsburgh first okay um so i went to school in pittsburgh I'm from cleveland and then um moved back to cleveland after school and then moved back to pittsburgh for a bit Anyway, um, so that was like my first real experience with something as as close to, I guess, failure as I could say that I ever really had. So in that in that scenario, it feel it sounds like those were external forces that you couldn't change. Yeah, that's what you were dealing with. One hundred percent. And I think that's that's what made it even worse for me, because I'm a, I'm a big believer that like, OK, well, if something doesn't work then I'll just work harder at it. Like during that, that six months where I didn't have a job, I redid my portfolio like three times because hmm. I was like, okay, well clearly my work's not good enough. So I'm going to just keep getting better. But each time I did it, I'm like, okay, I'm getting better and better, but I still wasn't getting opportunities. So let me ask an important question right mm-hmm. there. When you talk about redoing your portfolio two or three times during that time period, did you, seek feedback from somebody else or did you uh in any way or you did you just stay internalized and keep making edits to it no i just kept i kept making stuff i wasn't talking to anybody at that point i think i was embarrassed honestly okay uh and i think that was that was the other thing where everyone again thought that it would be so easy for me to get a job in this stuff and whenever it wasn't happening i was like i don't want to like reach out to people that did get jobs and even like some of my really good friends i just I just assumed that my portfolio wasn't good enough. Um, 
And I think it was a safe assumption to have at that point, but I don't know. I don't know what I would have done differently in that time had I known how it was going to work out. Okay. But but that right there prepared me for running a business and hitting those time periods where it's like, okay, well, I don't have anything going on right now. What am I going to do? Like, you still have those moments of panic, but at the same time, I'm like, listen, like I... I've done this before. Like I've I've climbed that mountain and yeah. I know it it's painful, but at least I know that I've climbed it before. Yeah, there's a tenacity in that story that uh frankly a lot of people don't have. I mean, 2 300, you know, uh attempts at getting a job and no response would be pretty hard to move past yeah. in my in my opinion, for me. I I yeah. you know, they say Ray Ray Bradbury the uh science fiction author faced, I want to say, 70-some rejections before he got his first minor short story published in mm-hmm. some, you know, whatever, pub, you know, non-publication, uh, minor publication. So, um, yeah, that's that's a lot, especially yeah. think about the output it took to, um, I don't think he was submitting the same story every time is what I'm trying to get out there. So, yeah. um, the reason I ask about whether or not you sought feedback is if you can't guess is because I think that's really important to reach out. And I know that's something that I'm terrible at that I fail at consistently is before I bang my head against that wall one more time. And I'm not saying you were doing that, but I'm saying for me personally, I'm very good at staying insulated, isolated and not stopping that horrible process of being insulated and saying, wait a second, let me just ask for some external advice here. Tell me what I don't know. And believe me, I've gotten a lot better at that over the years, but it's taken me way, Mm -hmm. what I think has taken me way too long to be that person to go, okay, I don't have all the answers. I mean, I'm really fast to own that now. And it's funny how that works. You know, the older I get, the more I realize I don't know much of anything. (laughs) Uh, And it's not some self-deprecating remark. It's the truth. Yeah when you're 20 something, you, you really think, you know, everything. And I remember those days and those days lasted well into my thirties, if not into my, some of my forties mm-hmm. and, um, to my own detriment, there's a, there's a cockiness to that. That's, um, just a posture that I frankly, I think the best of us see through. Um, mm-hmm. so anyway, um, in what you were describing, let's go back to the, you were in that post student mode of trying to get mm-hmm. a job and I see a lot of portfolios still come across, come, come into the office that um, I'll offer feedback. Mm-hmm. And some people are open to it, some people aren't. I'm always yeah. interested in the people that are open to the feedback because I, you know, every portfolio, especially at the stage you were describing, everybody needs feedback and needs huh. somebody in their corner to say, Here's some good stuff. You know, it's a classic art school thing. I see some good things happening here. And you realize, <laughs> oh, what that means is this sucks. But um, not always, but sometimes it did. Yeah. Or the, the word interesting in the art portfolio review, right? Yep. I think that's interesting. Okay, what does that really mean? Yeah. Be honest. Anyway, uh, but I'm always interested in the, in the students or the um, recent graduates or, or uh, junior designers that say, sure, tell me what I don't know. And my responsibility, responsibility then is to give them a mixed set of feedback. I'm looking for the things that are positives and strengths and pointing those things out. And of course I'm saying, and with that, 
here's a few things that I have concerns about, ways you can improve this. And for me, it's almost always typography, which is, in my opinion, truly a fault of the schools that are bringing these kids up. Um, but um, I know even now, at 20-some uh, years in the business, I treasure feedback from people. I treasure those people in my yeah. life that are that are strong enough because I can be a silverback ape. I'm still aware of that, and I hate it. And I, <laughs> I, I'm trying, always trying to get away from that. But I treasure those few people in my life, and they are truly a few that are willing to step up and say, Dylan, I hear what you're saying. I, I understand what your goals are here or what you're trying to accomplish, but this thing here just isn't communicating what you think it's communicating. Um, or... Or here's an area, uh, you know, on a personal note that I feel like you're just not listening. Or like my friend Chris said to me years ago, he said, when you come to me with a question, I feel like you've already got the answer and you're just looking for validation. You really don't mm -hmm. want any criticism or feedback that might deter you from the decision you've already made in your mind. Dude, you talk about a kick in the you-know-whats. That was tough yeah. to hear. But man, did I need to hear that. And I've, I've never forgotten that. It doesn't mean that it all changed in a moment. And again, glitter farts and unicorns flying around my head. It wasn't like that, but it was a wake-up call. And here I am talking to you, gosh, 15-plus years later, and I still remember that because he was strong enough to say, here's what I see. Yeah. I, a lot of, <clears throat> I guess a lot of that experience of mine is what led me to want to teach. It led me to want to, build a community of people right it was like man like how i felt then i don't want anyone to feel like that hmm. and it's like okay well for me it started with like okay i want to be able to teach at the college level before people are about to graduate and i want i just want to be able to say a couple things to them um and i guess the the big thing was like just don't 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 stop believing <laughs> um it's it's Sing like it. don't yeah <laughs> listen i got a microphone here don't tempt me um <laughs> it's it, but it kind of goes back to that idea of like you know failure is when you stop it's like i know of the people that i graduated with there may have been i think i started the program with maybe 100 people by the time we graduated there was eight wow and of those eight, I think three of us, maybe four, are employed creatively right now. Dude, you make this sound like things. SEAL training. It, it honestly, I mean, I don't know. I mean, but here's the thing. So <laughs> it, was, it was tough, right? School's tough. It's tough for anybody to leave their home because most of the people that went to school that I was at, they traveled from a state or two away. It's, it's tough to leave home like that and try to find yourself and to not, I don't know, change your mind about things, right? So mm -hmm. that was why that huge drop-off was there. Most of those people left in, in the first year. Um, but anyway, those, those people that got to the end, you know, I always think about those other four people that are working those, those jobs that they wanted. And honestly, at, at first I, I felt really bad for them, but then I... You know, there's also the the component of you know what maybe they just realized that this wasn't for them. Unfortunately, it took a college education and <laughs> a lot of money to to figure that out. But maybe that's what it was. And I don't know. It. I, I again, I think about that experience, and I'm like, you know what? Those people that didn't get those jobs, they simply stopped applying at some point. 
like I was about to do. I was mm-hmm. so close to just stopping. And luckily something just this weird fluke of events led to me getting an opportunity. Um, and that's just kind of how it works, I guess. But anyway, so for me, like I always tell students, I'm like, this is, it's going to be hard. I try to prepare them for the difficulty that I had and tell them like, hey, there was a lot of sleepless nights ahead of you. So, you know, just know that it's okay, one. And two, there's no time frame that you have to get a job after you finish college, you know? If you need to keep rebuilding your portfolio for 10 years before you finally get that opportunity, you know, nobody's nobody's going to... I find it hard to believe that if you worked on a portfolio for 10 years that you wouldn't get an opportunity at that point. So it's, right. It's I think kind this, of that, that scenario idea, is yeah. that you you just don't have the skill set to, to apply the things that you're being told about that particular practice, mm-hmm. whatever it is, yeah. welding, chances, graphic design. Ch- chances are if you graduated any college, I mean, I think most of them are pretty relatively easy currently, but I think that even still, if you are able to graduate at a college level, then you probably have most of the skills that you need to be able to work in that field. But maybe you're just not quite ready yet. And I think that, you know, yeah, it's, you know, I think about like me and uh, applying for those 200, 300 jobs. You know, it took, what if I stopped at 299 and it was that number 300 that was going to work out? And maybe this is probably speaking to the optimism again. Totally. But it's like, it's like you don't know. You just have to, you have to have faith in in what you're doing and trust. And I think that's that's the really hard part for people. Where I think a lot of other people, they maybe they try for three months and they're like, oh, it didn't work. And then they're like, I guess I'll just go do this other thing then. Where it's like, if yeah. you really believed in it, you shouldn't have stopped. You should just keep going. And and like you said, just talking to talking to other people and taking that feedback, actually taking that feedback, like you said, is something that's, it's honestly kind of rare. And it makes, I I try to open up my schedule. Anytime that somebody reaches out to me, this might be a mistake to say, but like say nine times out of 10, I'll tell the person, yeah, let me, let's see your portfolio. I'll critique it. And then I'll give them a critique. And I'm like, listen, if you don't want to make any of these changes that I said, that's totally fine. But don't, don't ask me again if you're not going to take any of this advice. Hmm. Like, you got to do something. If you're just going to do nothing for six months and ask me for the same conversation again, like, I don't I don't really want to have that conversation again. Yeah, your goal is to help that person improve, not just to be some overlord, you know, giving yeah. instructions. I mean, I, I really hope that when I can give someone a critique and, and give them feedback that, I, that I'm saying it in a way that they can hear it in a, yeah. you know, a positive way that they go, they realize this is a, a guy really trying to help. I really want to make your typography better. And I'm going to yeah. give you the rationale for why I'm telling you these things, not just do this, change that, mm-hmm. make it bigger. Um, that's where learning happens. I hope is I'm going to, I want, I want you to, I want you to understand why I'm describing this thing this way. Yeah. What the rule, there are rules here. And if you know the rules, then you can break the rules, but you first got to know the rules and apply the rules. So, yep. um, uh, I think there's a couple things against that scenario that you described where people yeah. are potentially reaching out for feedback. And like, like you said, three months into it, they're just like, man, nothing's happening. You know? And again, maybe it's a New, Year, New Year's resolution of physical fitness or maybe it's a student portfolio in graphic design. 
that's uh, they graduated and they're out there looking for a job. Um, one thing that's against people is something we talked about in the previous episode of this need for speed mentality in our culture. Mm-hmm. Things have got to happen fast or they're not meant to be. And I think that's a yep. really dangerous place to place your mind and leave your mind in. So um, the only way out of that is, I'm going to make this sound totally oversimplified. Talk about fast answers that I'm rallying against. <laughs> um, but I think first it's just an understanding that that's not the way a lot of processes work and a lot of life works. There, there is sometimes a long play to things. And you're a good example of that with all the numbers you've talked about just in this episode. And I would encourage folks to just um, think about that and consider that some things do take time. I would offer a lot of things take time. The fact that I can draw anything I want or any lettering style I want without thinking about it or without any reference is not some weird little miracle. I'm some special child. It's that I practice, you know, I, I think there's a, there's a, a brain uh, something there, a gift of some kind. But the majority of what I'm describing in that process is just practice and crazy amounts of practice. So yeah. that's, and I mean years of practice, 40 years of drawing letters has gotten yeah. me to where I am. And if somebody hears that and goes, well, I'm out, I get it. It's a long play. Yeah. Um, but I would also offer that within just a few years of steady practice, I, I saw dramatic results. Bob Ewing, if you guys look him up, E-W-I-N-G, it has a great story about if you look at Bob Ewing's early lettering drawings, they sucked. I'm just being honest. They weren't good at all. Yeah. And, um, but you, I shouldn't say they weren't good at all. That's not fair. <laughs> what I see in Bob Ewing's really drawing, actually Bob Ewing is coming to Columbus, I think in uh, March uh, to do a mm-hmm. talk and we'll maybe get to that later. But Bob practiced, that's the point. And he got noticeably better in just a handful of uh, months and then a few years, Bob was really killing it. And now yeah. Bob's, you know, looked at it as one of the, uh, most solid lettering guys in our in our yeah. scene in lettering. He, so he created the Made by Things logo. He cre- there you go. So you know, I the, gosh, that sounded like a, a quick sell for Made by Things, didn't it? But it's true. So there you go. Um, <laughs> made by Made by Yeah, Made by. <laughs> um, so that's that's one barrier is just this time thing and the and the yeah. frankly our lack of patience and culture. And I think the other barrier in our culture is that we have a culture that says everything's okay. And what I'm getting at there is sometimes when I see creative portfolios to stay with that example, and I give feedback on something, I'll hear pushback from that person and say, well, and and the pushback is basically saying, well, I think it's okay. And then I'll provide a rationale and say, well, I hear you. But based on some of the principles of design, you know, whether it's proportion, hierarchy, contrast, whatever those things are, I'll say based on those things, that's where this needs a little improvement. And then I'll get then I'll get pushed back again that says, you know, thanks thanks for your advice, but no thanks. I think it's fine. Yep. And I'm trying to apply science and rationale to this thing, and this person's yep. pushing back and saying, I don't want to be told that I'm not right, that I'm I yep. don't want to be told that I'm wrong. And I don't have a quick answer for that person except to say, I'm done here with this conversation. Yep. I can't help you pass this. It's kind of like what you were saying. You know, if you don't make yep. if you don't make these changes, I'm not really going to participate in the conversation again. You got to be willing to and this is my bigger point is in that culture of everything is okay, which I have huge issues with, we have to be willing to say in order to improve, maybe I'm not 
perfect and maybe this thing could use some improvement. And at that point, I need to own the fact that this is less than ideal. And what can I really do here to improve, whether it's me personally, the work mm -hmm. that I'm doing, whatever that thing is. That's a big barrier. Yeah. Um, a couple of things. So one is, <clears throat> like you said, it's, it's playing the long game. And I think that that's something that I wish I could really understand whenever I was younger. Mm. Even, even now, it's tough for me to see, honestly. Like I say, it was just me before, but it's like, you know, I want, I want to have a successful career and, you know, myself 10, 15 years ago, I would not believe the success that I've found basically. Um, and I'm super grateful for that, but still it's, it's that idea of the moving target kind of thing where, I don't know, like you always have these big goals, but I don't, I don't have goals 10 years out and that's what I wish I would do. It's like, man, if you just, if you said that you wanted to have a, something that you wanted to make steps toward, step, steps towards 10 years from now and be able to achieve that thing, it's actually not that hard. If you were to actually, if you were to take the steps, which that discipline is hard, but it's just, it's so difficult. If you take 10 years to do something for anyone to be able to stop you from doing that thing that you want to do. So I guess what I'm saying is like, what I wish I would have done was say, hey, I want to have a company and all this stuff in 10 years from now. But instead I was always like, I want to have it next year. Next year mm. I want to do this. Next year I want to do this. And I don't know. It's, it, it is kind of that idea of, you know, that need for speed, right? Even as somebody that claims that they understand it as myself, I still fall into those, those traps where we all want to get rich quick, right? Um, we all want what we want when we want it. And yep. I, don't, I don't think that's necessarily a problem, but there needs to be those expectations of, okay, well, do you realize how hard you have to work to get that thing? And do you realize how much time that might take to get that thing, you know? Yeah. And so and to that point, I mean, if I sound like I'm on this podcast preaching at people, believe me, I'm saying these things because I have to relearn these lessons all the time. That's the truth. Yeah. And I don't like being told I'm wrong. And I struggle with giving myself grace, which is my second yeah. step in how to deal with failure, you know, or stumbling or however you want to put yeah. it, you know, first, but to just recap that stuff. I mean, first I, um, I got to own it. And uh, yeah. my wife will tell you that when we, she and I both struggle with this, with being defensive when we're, you know, mm -hmm. both of us raised to be um, uh, by parents who expected a lot, to put mm -hmm. it nicely, extremely yeah. high expectations. And so failure was not really an option. You know, bringing home a B minus was, whoa, what? Really? You know, bring home six A's and a B. Well, let's talk about that B. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> let's talk about the B. Let's talk about those six A's. So, yeah. um, and I love my parents dearly. They're still with us and, and I treasure them and I'm grateful for them. But that was the flavor that we grew up with. So, um, hmm. uh, so it was hard for, for me to, to own that stuff for some reason. And again, I still struggle with it, but that's, I know is a critical step is just to own it and not get defensive. And then, like I said, that second yeah. step for me is just give myself some grace and realize, Hey man, this is a yeah. process. This is like, we've talked about today. This is a long play and, um, perfection is never going to be achieved and that's okay. Yeah. So let it go, kick that thing to the curb and move. 
Um, and I think the third thing that I think about is something that you're really good at, and I am inspired by you with this. I'm not saying that to butter you up because I want you to bring over an apple pie later today or anything. I just am saying this, Matt, you are a planner. And so I think that third step for me um, after a stumble or realizing something's less than ideal and needs to be corrected is just taking a hot minute to assess what happened and then mm-hmm. making some steps and saying, okay, here's a realistic set of uh, bullet points that I can use to walk away from this and and be better the next time. Yeah. No, I we should probably wrap it up here, but I have I have to ask you, and this might go on for a little bit, so I apologize. But right. um with that eighteen years that you have on me and more opportunity for failure, I'm curious what and if you don't want to talk about it, that's fine, but like I'm curious what you believe your biggest failure to be and how did you overcome that? Yeah, man, that's a big can of worms. It is. Um, it is. <laughs> you know, there's a couple of things. One is, is um, I wish I had a mentor early on, and this is a big can of worms, but I'll try to keep this brief. I wish I'd had someone alongside of me early on um, that was strong enough to guide me. And uh, that sounds very damning, I'm sure, to some people. Uh, it's not my intention. Um, but when I say someone to guide me, I mean, I really think about that mostly in a spiritual way. Um, so, uh, again, I'm going to leave that one there, but it's a really important thing that I wish I'd had. And and so I see that kind of like going back to what you said. Part of that is an external thing that I couldn't control, but... Um, I think part of that is something that I can own and say I chose to play the lone wolf through a lot of scenarios and I probably shouldn't have and I regret that. Um, And yet, like I've said already today, you know, I try to give myself some grace there and realize um, I do see the error of it now and I'm trying to work through that and repair it. Um, From a business standpoint, that same thing is true. I've uh, talked to some business coaches for short bursts in the last six years of owning Mingus Design, I wish I had taken on somebody consistently through the entire experience, um, through a couple, three key areas that again, I won't unpack here, uh, (laughs) truly due to lack of time. But um, if you can hear the thread there, it's just being, uh, having some accountability with somebody else and uh, being willing to, to get feedback, saying, tell me what I don't know. I'm, I'm here to listen. It might be hard for me to hear it, but I need you to be honest and say, this is an area where I see room for improvement, to put it nicely, and maybe here's some suggestions for how to get out of that. But I want you to know this is stuff that needs to, needs to change. Man, do we need that. I know I do, and uh, I would argue that everybody does. And anybody that plays that lone wolf card, good luck with that. I, yeah. I would I would suggest that it's not going to serve you for the long haul. And I think that that kind of shows in just kind of how you how you operate now. You are a very giving person. Anytime that anyone does ask you for your time, I've, as far as I know, you do give that time to anybody. You do a lot of stuff with the school. Um, you did that little camping retreat thing. Yeah, that was fun yeah. with with uh, CCD. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Um, But it makes sense to me that you do, you know, you do those things because you wish you would have had those things, you know? 
Mm. Never uh, thought about it, but yeah, that's probably very true. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Anything else? Do we got anything else on this? A lot to unpack here, but um, yeah, we've final gone a little long. So uh, I don't have any final thoughts. I think I've shared. <laughs> I've shared. I've shared so much of myself today. <laughs> Too much. <laughs> Too much. Yeah. I. I. Yeah. I guess if I was to say anything, it would be. Um. I don't know. It, it's. It's not easy, and if it was, it wouldn't be fun. Um, it it wouldn't be a pursuit worth taking if it was easy and everybody would do it if it was easy. Yep. Like my buddy Bill says, if it was easy, they'd call it shopping. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, let's get Bill on the podcast. (laughs) Let's see what else he's got. Um, anyway, I think people would enjoy that actually. He's uh, one of my dearest friends of several years and, uh, he's always got some good West Virginia wisdom to bring to the table. One day we're going to, Maybe we'll bring a guest on. I like that idea. All right. At some point. Once we've exhausted all of our topics, then we're right. going to start we're bringing other people yeah. in. Um, very good. So, um, yeah, th- those are those are my final thoughts. I, I wish you all uh, a happy and healthy day. I don't have, like, this Walter Cronkite sign-off thing. I think we need to work on something like that. It's not that. Peaceful and prosperous 2022. <laughs> there it is. Um, All right. That's it. Goodbye. See ya. The Command Z Show is Matt Vojak and Dylan Mingus. Have a question you want us to discuss? Send us a message at cmdz.show. And while you're at it, we'd love a quick review on the podcast platform of your choice. Thanks for listening.